So, to inspire us, to allow ourselves to step into personal transformation, please welcome our dear Reverend Patrick Cameron. Thank you. Good morning and welcome. Here we are. Maria, thank you again. Beautiful, beautiful music. <clears throat> As David White said, poetry begins with the lightest touch. And you're a wonderful poet. So what I'd like to invite you to do is sing a song with me. And we're going to sing a song, say a prayer, and then Brian's going to lead us in another chant that uh, I think is quite sweet. A roomy poem called Come. All right. So if you'd like to stand with me, that's great. If you'd like to stay seated, whatever serves your highest intent. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit, one spirit This very room, in this very room, in this very room. So I invite you to know with me in this moment one life, one power, one infinite divine intelligence, activity, and vibration in and through and as all of life, everywhere in particular. And I give thanks, knowing that that power, that life, is my life. And as I choose it, it chooses me. And so I do nothing to shift it, but it shifts me everywhere. And so I give thanks, knowing that the guidance and the intuition and the intelligence and the resources, the people and the opportunities and the doorways that open, and the energetic and the health and the vibrancy, the prosperity, and all the things that are necessary for you and I to be fully present in this moment and to be a blessing wherever we are and to move forward knowing that we are fully resourced. And so I just give thanks this day, knowing that the infinite already knows. The prayer is already answered in the mind of the one, and I simply say, yes, I'm the place where it shows up. And for this I give thanks, I release these words, and together we say, and so it is. All right. song of coming home to ourselves. Come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving, come, come, whoever you are, this isn't a caravan of despair, come, come, whoever you are, 
A wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving and come, come however you are. This isn't a caravan of despair, and it doesn't matter if you've broken your vows a thousand times before and yet again. Come again, come and yet again, come, come whoever you are. Wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving and come, come whoever you are. This isn't a caravan of despair. Come, come whoever you are. A wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving and come, come whoever you are. This isn't a caravan of despair. And it doesn't matter if you've broken your vows A thousand times before And yet again Come again, come Yet again, come Come again, come Come again, come Come again, come Come again eventually I know it's a beautiful song it's a beautiful chant and I, one of the things I love about it is we forget we go out into the world and we forget who we are because it's so easy and it's just a call back to, to ourselves and it doesn't matter I love it it doesn't matter if we've broken our vow 10,000 times or more it isn't a caravan of despair it's just life and meeting life full on 
I just I love that chant. And, and, and Brian, as I mentioned earlier, he's a, as the Buddhists would say, he's a bodhisattva, which is someone who's in deep service to spirit. Um, I wanted to take him to the circle of love with me this year, and he said, I'm going to, the, to a uh, silent retreat for 10 days, so I can't be there. And I just thought, this, he's just an amazing, amazing presence. So what I know about what, what has been my experience, and I can only speak from my experience, is that what is entirely in my hands is the quality of my inner dedication to becoming conscious. What is entirely in my hands is the quality of the inner dedication to becoming conscious. And so I wanted to share with you uh, today a few ideas. The title of my, my sharing and it's simply a sharing. It's, it's where I am on the journey, and hopefully it, it connects with you in some meaningful way. Is have you learned anything new lately? And I was reminded by Norma Cloud earlier at the end, because people always give me these wonderful pearls. So I came with, have you learned anything new lately? And, and Norma says, one of the phrases I like is, when's the last time you did anything new? And I thought, yeah, when's the last time I did anything new? And, and so I, I think it's... Good questions to ask. One of the books that's been inspiring the conversation that I've been inspired to have anyway over the past several weeks, and we're using it again this month, is The 29 Questions for the Ordinary Life by Norm Bussard. And it's a wonderful book. Uh, a couple of people on the way out. It's very simple, short little chapters, great little stuff in it. We're out of them in the bookstore, by the way, but I'm, I'll sell this one for $100 today, by the way. So <laughs> we have more ordered. It reminds me of the story of Nasruddin. Nasruddin is a is a Sufi clown, and he's also a Sufi wise man. And, and Nasruddin was, was bothered all the time. by. He, they decided in the village he lived in, in this particular Nasruddin story, he's the Sufi clown and, and, and teacher, that everyone was constantly asking him questions. And one night he was, it got so bad, one night he decided to sleep up on the roof, in the, in the, on the flat roof of his home, and there's a parapet wall, a perimeter wall about three feet high. And as he's sleeping, a rock lands on him, wakes him up, and he hears this man down below say, um, Nasruddin! As Rudin, and he says, are you awake? He says, well, I got rocks falling on me. I guess I'm awake now. He said, well, you know, he said that wasn't a rock. I threw a pebble up there. So anyway, he says, okay. So the guy says, I need to ask you a question. And he said, okay, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Ask your question. And he said, well, I'm going to sell this man my donkey, but should I tell him that the donkey's been sick? And he said, of course you tell the man your donkey's been ill. And also, you don't ask that question at 2 o'clock in the morning. You could have waited until morning to ask that question. So he finally gets fed up with it, and he says, you know what? I'm gonna, he puts a sign up at his door, and he said, Two questions for $100. And so everybody stops asking him questions because it's not free anymore. Except this wealthy man comes to town. He says, oh, okay. And he walks up to Nazruddin's door and he knocks on it and he's got his bag of gold and he says, Nazruddin. He said, I've got some questions. He said, he said uh, but he said, don't you think $100 for two questions is, is very expensive? He said, yes, it is. And now what is your second question? So anyway, I'll sell the book for 100 bucks today if you really need it. Have you learned anything new lately? Carl Jung said our journey, and Carl Jung was a wonderful, wonderful thinker, brought forward the archetypes, and, did a, and was a mystic. I mean, part of what really made Jung inspired was his mysticism, his connection with spirit. And this is what we teach. Our teaching is a direct connection with the divine for personal and global transformation. That's... That's the beginning and the end. It's a direct connection with the divine for personal and global transformation. This teaching didn't save my life. And I think I've said that in the past a few times. It didn't save my life. It gave me my life. 
because I was able to put down a lot of the a lot of the things that were a distraction to really get me into a closer and more direct, more consistently communication with spirit. But Carl Jung said it's like loading a boat. Use the metaphor of loading a boat. He said if you if we load our boat too lightly, it'll float away, it'll fly away, and it'll be so light that it won't have any buoyancy. In other words, we can use affirmative prayer and we can use affirmations to affirm over the things that are really going on in our lives. And then we're using it as, a, as another form of denial, spiritual bypass. He said the other piece of that is that we load the boat too heavy, we just sink it. We take on all the responsibilities of the world. You know, there's problems in the Middle East, there's problems here, there, there's problems there, there's, there's lack and limitation, you know, the, the hurricanes that come and the storms, and there's certainly realities. But if we take it all on in a way that isn't healthy for us, it paralyzes us and the boat will sink. So he said, we all want to sail our boat. And so it's, it's balancing that. And for all of, it's, all of us, it's a different path and it's a different way. And it requires our own examination, our own questioning. And that's the beauty of questions. Norm Bouchard, uh, the author of 29 Questions for the Ordinary Life, shared in, uh, at Asilomar a couple weeks ago, Laura and I were there at our conference in Monterey. If you don't know what that is, we have an annual conference in Monterey. And, <clears throat> and Norm was there presenting in one of the workshops. And he said that his grandmother had this amazing ability to always um, be able to identify people's characteristics and qualities that they bring to any situation. And the challenge was that she always uh, shared that verbally with everyone. And so one day she got a traffic ticket and she was called to court. And she was sitting there and her, her, date was, her, her time was like four hours in the, uh, later in the afternoon, but she got there real early. And so he said she sat in the front row and every time someone got up to address the judge, she'd say out loud, I wonder who dressed them this morning. Oh, look at this. Look who's coming now. Listen to this excuse. And on and on and on. And so everything she was thinking, she just verbalized. And she said, a, a terrible thing happened. While my mother was sitting there for this four hours, the judge fell in love with her. And so she came, finally came up, and she had gotten a speeding ticket. And she said, Mrs. Bouchard, can you tell us what happened? She said, yes. She said, I got that speeding ticket because I kept taking my Dodge Dart down to the station and they couldn't fix it. There's something wrong with the accelerator and it's those guys' problem at the, at the mechanic shop. If they'd fixed it properly, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. And he, so he dismissed the ticket because he'd fallen in love with her. But she always spoke the truth. And he said at one point in time, he was talking about something he was fearful about in his life. And his, and his grandmother said, Norm, when, when it, what is your fear? Is it, is, what tense is your your fear. Is it past, present, or future? And Norm said, it's present, because I'm feeling it right now. And she said, stop it. It's future. You're futurizing. And he thought about that. He thought about the great, the great awareness and wisdom this, this, this little saint had in his life. But when we're, we fall into fear, we're futurizing. We're worried about the future. We're, playing, we're paying interest on a debt that's not yet owed. And so really for all of us, in the subjective journey we have, the question is that, and, and Earl Nightingale shared this years ago, and Earl was a motivational speaker, one of the first. He said, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And, and for me, when I hear that, if I don't reconnect as often, if I don't take the song, Come, which I sing all day long to myself, it's a wonderful chant to bring myself back to the truth of who I am, which doesn't mean that I'm unique and special in any way, but it grounds me in the truth of my being. My spiritual nature is my being. And when I listen closely and when I'm in a deep conversation, the creativity and the support and the love and the resources and the, and the grounding and the peace that, that allow me to function well show up. 
So we have six pillars that we talk about at the, in, this, in this community. One of the pillars is, is meditation. And about three weeks, um, that was in July. July, Laura and I went and spent a, week, a weekend with Elizabeth Lesser at the Omega Institute. And we talked in there about one of the, the first pillars, meditation. Meditation and visioning. And I won't touch on the visioning today because that's a very organic and, and that could take up an hour just explaining visioning. But Elizabeth talked about meditation and she writes about it in this book called The Seeker's Guide. And it's a wonderful book if you're looking for kind of a nice overview of spirituality and practices. She calls the four, there's four landscapes. One of the landscapes is the mind, one's the body, one's the heart, and one's the soul. Those are Elizabeth's landscapes. But she talks about meditation and what the practice does for her. And she said, in my meditation practice, she said, I, I visualize myself sitting snugly in a small boat, the boat of awareness, surrounding me in an immensity of water, stretching in all directions, small ripples, gentle waves, choppy water, enormous crest, move the boat, rocking at one moment, crashing over, over at another. And so it is with my life. The periods of peace or joy come and go, flowing into and out of the times of struggle or sadness. Holding on to the sweetness only makes the bitter feel like a betrayal of some promise that was never made. Rejecting the bitter makes the sweetness seem less sweet, more fleeting. Sitting upright in the sturdy boat of awareness is my only salvation. Sitting upright in the sturdy boat of my awareness is my only salvation. And watching the waves move through my life instead of believing that each one is a full picture of reality. See, we have a wave show up in our lives. We have a situation or a challenge show up in our lives. And all of a sudden, it colors our whole experience. But when we're grounded in the awareness, when we bring awareness to the situation, whatever it may be, it takes on a whole different context. And it's important to do And that's why we do spiritual practice. And we don't do this overnight. I've been meditating. I've been a committed meditator for over 20 years. And I can tell you that I wish it, it, it never was quick enough. It's still not quick enough at some level for me. And yet it is what it is. And it's the mindfulness that you bring to situations. So she was struggling one day with, uh, Elizabeth Lesser was struggling one day with setting up hundreds of, of workshops at the Omega Institute because this is what they do. It's sort of a smorgasbord of spiritual practices. She said one time in, the, in, in this book, she talked about sometimes people show up and they're not who they say they are. And one time she had this shaman show up and they were going to bow to all four directions. And he was going through this, this native ritual. And he said, now we're going to bow to all four directions. And he, as he went into it, he whispered to her, and can you tell me which way east is? <clears throat> but she said, you know, they come in all shapes and sizes. And the important part of it is, is just to continue to, to figure out what's authentic and real for us and what we can connect with. But she, she sent a, uh, a fax one day because she was feeling overwhelmed to Richard Alpert, who is uh, also known as Ramdas, who was a co-founder of the Omega Institute. And she said, in the uh, fax, she said, do you, do you think I'm retarded? I keep dealing with the same stuff with the same people year after year. You'd think I'd made some progress. How, and then how is this edit? Please provide or make further suggestions because she was editing his workshop proposal. And he sent her this back. He said, We're all, we all seem retarded in that we live again and again the phenomenal realities of our mind's projections. Only awareness is at peace with these eternal repetitions. Hang in there and be gentle with yourself. As Maria just sang, be kind. Be kind with ourselves. But only awareness is at peace with these eternal repetitions. Because they are eternal repetitions. So what I'm conveying is 
we have meditation practice so we can bring we can bring awareness to the current conditions in our lives and it may not seem like anything's changing but when we start to do that everything shifts and changes because those stories no longer scare us because we bring awareness to them and if fear has been our way of life for a long time then be kind with yourself in letting loose of the idea of fear because fear is a very popular idea and, and to pull, be able to pull it close and say, you know what, I think I can find something else to motivate me and to drive me besides the fear. So meditation is very important. It's, only, it's the only way that we can continue to stay connected in that, in that conversation, to listen deeply. And so if you don't have a meditation practice, you could start one. And if you start one and you don't meet your expectations on it, just sing the Rumi song doesn't matter how many times you've broken your vow you just get to start again one of the great things she shared at the workshop Elizabeth Lesser said was that when we complete a meditation we become a lapsed meditator so if your commitment is that you haven't meditated in 24 hours or 24 months or 24 years you're just a lapsed meditator just a practice that you haven't brought into your life but I think meditation is, is vitally important because that's where the conversation can happen and that's a chance where we get to look at the things that are alive in our lives the next pillar is celebration. And celebration is talking about the, the, the shifts and changes that go on in our lives. So I shared last week how people had come to our, our uh, dessert social and shared some beautiful stories about how God is alive in their lives now like never before and how things are shifting and changing. And those things should be happening. If we can't prove this in our lives, if we can't take it to the world in a powerful, wonderful way, then, it, then it's useless. We must apply these principles. Then there's circulation. I'm teaching this Prosperity Plus class. I, my vision for our community and what we have to share is, is very ambitious. I love our teaching. I love what we do here. I love this community. I love watching it grow and thrive. I love watching people's lives change. We're making a difference in the world. We're helping people change their lives in a way that's powerful. This consciousness is the consciousness that's being called forth into the, into the world right now. Uh, a consciousness that sees beyond boundaries and sees beyond borders and understands the, the oneness of life. We've done it spiritually. We need to do it in all of the areas of the world, and it's happening. And we need to, be, we need to continue to keep it alive and vital here and sustainable. So 100 years from now, this place just continues to blossom and grow because it's a beautiful idea and it's new thought. So the new ideas that need to be embodied and applied can continue to have a, a foundation to spring forth. But if we're not practicing the principles well, if we're not demonstrating the wealth and the health and the vitality and the clarity to do that, then it's not a worthy idea. And it'll, it'll, take, it'll have its own course. But I know it's possible to continue to do that. Where does the time go? I have a wonderful poem here, and if you're in, my pro, in, the, in the Prosperity Plus class with me, that I'm going to share with you the first week. And it's Ernest Holmes' essay on money. Money is a spiritual idea when we talk about circulation. And money is just, money is an effect. Money did not create itself. The consciousness of man created money. And some have the consciousness of having it in their lives. Have you noticed? And some don't. But um, I read it, I'm reading a great book right now. I can't even quote because if I go in there, it'll be another 45 minutes called Not Your Parents' Offering Plate. And it talks in there that the, the biggest obstacle to anyone's spirituality is their pocketbook. It's very interesting. And so what I know, what I'm called to do is to get a bigger idea around, uh, around circulation and around that celebration of my circulation and my good. 
Education, we talked a bit about today. When you come into the classes, all of these practices will be talked about and applied in a practical way at some level. But it is a shifting, it is the assembly. And then service. We're a service organization. And one of the things that, that I know I'm and called to do this year and moving forward, what's the next thing? What must I become in order to, to give this place the, and, and the space for this idea to be given birth to? And I've prayed on it, I meditate on it, I'm working on the theme for 2011. And I know it's about selfless service. And this quote has inspired me, and I'm going to use this, I think pieces of this will end up in our theme for 2011. It's from Martin Luther King Jr. He said, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. And so it's really getting clear about that and it's really inviting people because we've lost, we've lost our way a bit. I've lost my way a bit with this and, and it's showing up in pieces here. And all we have to do is pull it back in and all we have to do is give it care and say, you know what, we really need your help. This morning we got here and my wife Laura has been up in the sound booth all morning because we don't have a sound booth person. And last week someone called her and said, you know, you were just so, uh, you didn't seem very friendly on Sunday. Well, on Sundays, because there's so many things that need to get done around here, Laura's tasking. And she said, I'd love to be able to socialize with people, but there's typically something that has to be done. I said, we can shift and change that. We just need to ask for more help. So if you see her running around, she's not trying to be rude. She's just trying to get things done because there's a lot of you and, and there's a lot of questions and we're here to serve. But she's not, she's not ignoring you. And so, what I know is, is that we have, we have all these beautiful practitioners, all these beautiful uh, ministers, all these beautiful serious students of this teaching, and we'll get better at laying it out and, and asking for the help and really asking people to step up. And that's part of what we're going to do in 2011. If we can't master that piece, we're not going to flourish. And I know that. And you all have gifts, and every time I ask, you sign up. And I thank you for that. What, where we fall down is we're not able to follow up many times and say, here's where we need help. I found out just uh, between services here, I set the chairs up yesterday. We got here at 9 o'clock. Laura said, we're going to go do chairs. I got here at 9, and Laura and I and one other person set the chairs up. I found out there was a chair crew coming at 10 o'clock. I wish I'd known that yesterday morning at 9 o'clock. But those things break down for us, and we can do a better job. And it's not right or wrong, good or bad, but we get so busy. There are so many tasks here, and it goes on and on and on. And so we need to get, for myself, I know that we need to get better at that. And my commitment and my vow to myself is to do that. Because we're too, too big for any one person to carry all of it. And I, I watch my wife, Laura, as she tasks through this, trying to own it all. And I said, we have to get better at asking. Because you just get to the point where you're just exhausted. And then you show up so tired. And so it's really about that. It's really about honoring self. And saying, so I'm going to do a better job of asking and saying thank you as well. But the service piece is so powerful and wonderful. And to be able to take our teaching and, and apply that teaching in our service is a sweet, sweet thing. And so I thank you. So after service, I'm going to be working the bookstore because we don't have people in the bookstore today. And I said, you know what? I'm just, I'll go back there and help. And so if you're looking for me and want to say hi, I'll be in the bookstore selling books. So it is. Blessings. Blessings. <laughs>